Hey, kids, do you think Alan would object if we brought someone else along? Not if it's someone like her. I have to join some friends on one of the islands. I just need a lift. Well, sounds fine, huh? Hell yeah. Welcome once again to Won't Stay Dead, the podcast that looks at the murky world of cult and horror films. Uh, this episode we are looking at Joe D'Amato's um, Italian splatterfest, uh, Anthropophagus the Beast, which was a video nasty in the UK in the 1980s, and is kind of, I think it was only re- released in its uncut version like two years ago or something, uh, on Idiot Films. Um, so yeah, it's a bit of a controversial film that kind of people had to wait for a long time in the UK to see uncut legally. Um, but yeah, I'll introduce the panel. Um, across the Irish Seas, Mr. David Hanna. Hello. And young Crazy P. Hello. <laughs> and I, di- I, I didn't say yay this time after I introduced the show. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> From the offset, um, yet again. Well, not yet again, actually. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty hungover today. Um, went out last night and it's just supposed to be a few pints and then ended up um, getting ridiculous. Always so I felt absolutely horrendous this morning, and uh, I'm only just kind of starting to feel a bit better. Sure, you got a few beers, then, yeah. Yeah, I've got some. Sure, will we will we do the beers? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm gonna very, get started because I, I I can eat some hair of the dog. So I've been quite crafty because I'm hungover. I've got Peroni, which is obviously Italian, um, and oh. I got Coke because um, they they drink cans of Coke. They do very, very obviously. Yeah, very obviously on the boat. <laughs> and also, um, when I when I lived in Germany, uh, cola beer was a really big thing. Um, so really? Know, like, yeah, like like any bar, you would just say "and cola beer bitter," and they would give you Coke and beer. And even some some yeah. some breweries like Bitburger and Carlsberg, not not Carlsberg with a C, but German Carlsberg with a K, they actually sold bottles of cola beer, like ready mixed and stuff. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm drinking a, a German drink essentially, and that's like the uh, two uh, German tourists at the start of the film. Uh, when I was in Berlin, I, I found ready-made bottles of the uh, you know the mixture of like Fanta and Coke. Yeah. It was like unofficial, like, but I remember you telling me about it. Yeah, and the other one is you can get um, bottles, mixed bottles of um, red wine and Coke. Mm. Like that's the thing we yeah. drink in Germany: like red wine and Coke, cold. I can imagine it not being too bad. No, it's nice. It's really good. So what beer did you bring, uh, Crazy P? Or do, what beer do you have? I uh, started with a uh, Cloudwater uh, spring-summer um, session IPA. I went with Cloudwater because uh, at the beginning when the German tourists get murdered, the water goes cloudy with blood. <laughs> and uh, I also have a, from Boyne Brewhouse, a long arm Dortmund expert because uh, it is German export and uh, those like those two German tourists who were also German exports. Um, I did actually think about this for a long time, but I didn't get very <laughs> that were very obviously um, the Farmageddon IPA. They're they're sort of classic IPA, 
and just because Armageddon, it was sort of almost like a mini Armageddon happening on the island. Yeah. It's getting pretty tenuous. Um, <laughs> and also Beavertown neck oil because I thought those guys all end up with really, really bitten necks. So um, they could definitely do with a wee bit of, wee bit of soothing oil for their <laughs> their necks. <laughs> and I also had a, a just finished a wee glass of. Uh, it was like I've got a growler filled with uh, Jack, Jack the Lad, I think, and uh, I don't know. There were a couple of lads in the film that were kind of Jack the Lads, so yeah, that's as close as I got. Actually, I also bought a growler. Well, I'm not drinking it now, but I have a growler of uh, I think a Bristol Modern Pale Ale called by Moors. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 Moors. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think I, I think I tried one of the stuff things before, but I got a, a few liters of that in the growler today which i am looking forward to yeah mm. they're, yeah they're really good like i um i actually about two weeks ago i actually cycled down to the brewery and had a, had a few beers in in the brewery it was really nice yeah, oh, yeah cool really good yeah cool it's just a wee small kind of operation in like an industrial estate so it's not you know, it's not as romantic as it sounds but yeah it's nice young lisa cool <laughs> uh, <laughs> i also got uh, the neck and stuff but i i thought along the lines of well the same thing it likes biting necks but I guess blood. Is there like oil? I don't know. Um, Fair enough. I got high wire, uh, West Coast Pale Ale, because he is fucking high wired. Uh, I, I got Brooklyn Lager, just to like it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I got Anchor Porter, because there's a boat. Yay. Oh, yeah. So that's me. <laughs> nice one. I was trying to think of boat ones, boat related ones, and I couldn't really think of. I was thinking of like, is there something called a like captain something? But. Um, anchor, anchor. Of course, would have would have done a job. Yeah, I, I was just like <laughs> thinking. I just, I'm just going to get one bottle of Peroni. It's Italian. That'll do. That's all I can manage. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah. But uh, b- before we um move on to the um talking about anth- anthropophagus, uh, Stranger Things. Oh yeah, it's really good. Fuck, yeah. Stranger Things is fucking brilliant. <laughs> I, I didn't Were you a bit uh, cynical about it then before you started? No, I, I didn't know anything about it. Um, I, I just heard on Facebook like that week, two or three people talking about it, how good it was, and then um, I, I saw it on Netflix. It was because we have Netflix, and um, yeah, it was last Thursday, and uh, I just said, "Do you want to watch this?" And Marcus was like, "Yeah, okay, no idea, and n- n- didn't know anything about it." And then watched like four episodes that night, and then on the Friday night, just finished it off. It's just. Completely blown away by it. Fucking absolutely yeah. loved it. Didn't want it to end. It'd be interesting really to see what they do with it. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. you know, because I think they probably will make a second series, but whether it follows the same characters or not, I think it'll be interesting. Well, I, I read it was it was going to be like set a year later, a, a year after the first season's events, and then I read this like fan theory about like how like Eleven probably is the monster. Oh yeah, yeah Keith yeah. sent me that. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. And all the stuff, yeah. saying, oh, all the stuff they were saying really makes sense. But it was just such a good, such a good um, show. I, I really like Dustin. You know the wee kid with the missing teeth. I think oh, he's the best yeah. one. Yeah, <laughs> he was my favorite. Like, yeah. was <laughs> what the... was it he said to the? Remember, he was trying to convince the science teacher to stay on the phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, what did he say? Again? Something about a memory door or something. I can't remember. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I wish I could remember because it was really lying. But it's so. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously just like like, and you see, you've seen this in like horror films and stuff now. But just like harking back to the kind of aesthetics of the of the seventies and the eighties. 
Yeah. Well, I thought it was really good in that respect because you don't really get, um, I guess, that kind of storyline anymore in, in major films. Yeah. Like, you don't get yeah. that sort of character up and downs um, and a nice story to go along with it. Um, cause, you know, like, since Spielberg stopped making good films. But uh, I was kind of thinking... <laughs> I was kind of thinking they were like the only kind of good. I, I don't know. Uh, you guys might disagree, but the only sort of films you see that in now are like Pixar films. Yeah. Like it's a sort of a nice solid adventure. I also think the the kind of depiction of like a corporation as as evil is really eighties, and I think it's mm-hmm. yeah. You know, like... you, you could be quite conspiracy conspiratorial about it, but you know, I think like in the eighties you had lots of films that were kind of. Like the the kind of rebel teenagers are the good guys and the and the evil corporation, but you don't really get that as much anymore. I don't think. No. And you kind of wonder, no. is it like I, you know, remember the, the Muppets did that, uh, and there was a huge American right wing sort of like uh, lashback on it, oh, uh, yeah. backlash. Sorry, against it because it was anti anti capitalist. Yeah, um, which was crazy. <laughs> but um, wait, like weirdly, the the Lego film was like that as well, like sort of ironically. Yeah. Hmm. But, but the, yeah, but that's yeah. the thing. Like the, the Lego film is like, well, Lego's entire industry is based on oil. Yeah. So it can't be all yeah, anti capitalists. Yeah. 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 But, but, <laughs> but everybody loved it, so who cares? It's... I was actually reading it, Stephen King's It, um, at the same time. And I, I started, I actually remember just after I finished watching Stranger Things that I saw the trailer for Stranger Things back in. Like May or June, and I thought, "Fuck, this looks amazing! Uh, can't wait to watch this." And it was going to be two months or something. So, yeah. like, for fuck's sake! So I read, started reading it to sort of tide me over, and for like a hit of of eighties Steven Spielberg slash King kind of kind of territory. And it took me fucking ages because it's it's massive. But um, it's yeah, there's a lot of parallels. This, the sort of general plot arc is quite similar to. Mm-hmm. It in many ways, and the the sort of nether world or other world kind of uh, upside down is, is part of that as well. Like, yeah, yeah definitely. I suppose the, apparently they made the all the the actors watch Stand by Me before the yeah the film at all. But yeah, I suppose it's pretty apparent that that was a reference. Yeah, yeah. it's really Stand they even by have me, like an episode called The Body. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's called The Body. Yeah, you're right. And like, there's that. Uh, scene where the kids were walking along a railway track and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. and it was also really like ET in that it's like the the boy trying to hide the the weird thing from his mum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but also the thing that really stood out to me was the um, the bits in the in the laboratory are really really like early Cronenberg. When I was watching yeah. it, it's just like even the way it was shot, I kind of thought this just looks like a this is, looks like a Cronenberg film, and you know, like loads of you know Cronenberg films, like something like Scanners, you know, it's like about you know a, a corporation or whatever, uh, you know, exploiting kind of a, te- a telepathic abilities for their for evil, basically. So yeah, I thought it was, thought it was really Cronenbergy as well. Yeah. I suppose there was that quite obvious uh, alien reference as well. You know, when they were in their like biohazard suits. Oh, it was really alieny, wasn't it? Yeah, and the big yeah. egg thing. Yeah, like... they even see a big egg for frick's sake. <laughs> the bit where she is covered in like sensors and dipped into the uh, sensor deprivation tank. What is that from? That that scene is really familiar, mm. but I, I couldn't place it. I. It's not like cocoon or something, yeah. is it? Or... Maybe, maybe, I'm not sure. maybe, possibly. I don't know. Oh, I, don't I, know. I know I've seen it somewhere. The bits in the Upside Down world also really reminded me of um, Silent Hill. Yeah, yeah, yeah the Silent Hill film. Yeah. Um, well, did you ever see the the second one? 
I think so. Was it any good? I think. Oh, the second song. I think it was really, really bad. Um, oh. If it's a yeah, if it's the one I'm thinking of, it's a bit really terrible. I quite like the first one. That was good. The first one wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Mm. Um, but cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think. Um, yeah, sure. We'll have a few beers and come back and talk about Anthropophagus. Okay. Okay. Cool. We should never come to this island. But nobody listened to me. I had that feeling from the very beginning. But we came here anyway. There's evil on this island. Everybody's dead. Everybody's dead. Carol's right, she said this place has a curse on it. Carol's right, she said this place has a curse. That monster's gonna kill us all. You and me and Julie, everyone will us all. You and me and Julie, everyone. <laughs> you will destroy us. The very same way you did all the others. Shut up, Carol. You will destroy us. You will destroy us. So, uh, Anthropophagus, or Anthropophagus the Beast, uh, as it was known in the UK, um, Joe D'Amato, 1980, I think, and um, yeah, basically like an Italian splatter film, um, an an exploitation film, Uh, Joe D'Amato was like a kind of predominantly a softcore and hardcore um, porn director. Um, but he did. I think he began his career with a few spaghetti westerns, as is quite common from Italian horror directors of that time, um, because I suppose spaghetti western films were exploitation films too, weren't they? Really, and then, like most most European exploitation directors who weren't doing horror, they kind of realised that there was money to be made in horror, and so he did uh, two horror films that have that have kind of really kind of remained in the consciousness of the genre. I think. Uh, Anthropophagus, and then its kind of semi-sequel, Absurd, um, which I think was released in 1981, also stars um, George Eastman, who plays the the monster in uh, Anthropophagus, or Luigi Montefiore was uh, George Eastman's real name. But it's it's not really um, it's not really uh, like an actual sequel. Um, it's about this um, priest guy who uh, is chasing George Eastman's character, who's like a kind of killer uh, whose blood coagulates really quickly, so he, it's really really difficult to kill him. And yeah, that was also a video, video nasty. But that was really just kind of like a Halloween cash in. Um, That's a really weird, weird <laughs> super part for somebody. What? Yeah. Really quickly coagulating blood. Right. <laughs> Did they explain that on screen? Well, so why can't you kill his blood coagulates really quickly? Whenever he's um, <laughs> doesn't really roll off the tongue like this. Uh... Whenever he's been he's been chased by the uh, by this priest at the start who kind of becomes like a Donald Pleasance character, you know, kind of chasing the killer through the town like in Halloween, like Donald Pleasance in Halloween. The guy, the guy's played by yeah. um, Edward Purdom, I think his name is. I always forget his second name, but I think it was Purdom, who was a bit of a 
Um, he's a bit of a horror legend. He was in uh, J.P. Simon's Pieces, um, and he was in. He directed and starred in a film called. It was a Christmas slasher film called. Um, I can't remember what it was called, um, but probably something like you know, you better watch out or something like that. One of those kind of titles. Um, <laughs> and so basically, he he's chasing him at the start. Uh, George Eastman's character tries to jump over these railings, but ends up getting impaled on the railings, falls down. Um, his guts are spilling out, so he gets taken to hospital. When he's on the operating table, the doctors are kind of going, "Oh my god, what's happening? I I can't explain it." You know, his blood his blood is coagulating really quickly, <laughs> <laughs> and then he like you know like basically like murders one of the nurses and gets breaks out of hospital and goes on a killing spree. Um, but anyway, yeah. So I've I've actually I've just brought up a uh, just just one like phone screen of um, of films worth films on IMDb. Joe D'Amato and in this list chronologically <laughs> goes in 1990 actually all 1997 alone directed Cop Sucker 2 uh, <laughs> Caligula um, de Port area I don't know what that is Aphrodite Goddess of Love Anal Strippers Exposed <laughs> and All the Presidents of Women <laughs> How can you be an anal stripper? <laughs> I don't know one of, the, one of his films was called Anal uh, Paprika or, or Paprika. Christ. 1997, he was going fucking wild. There's uh, Hercules' <laughs> Sex Adventure, House of Anal Perversions, Hell's Angel 2, uh, uh, followed by Hell's Angel 1, uh, <laughs> Goya and the Naked Magia, uh, Kama Sutra, Lulu's No Nights, Nero, Orgy of Fire, Olympus, Refuge of the Gods, Othello. <laughs> uh, oh, sorry. Sorry, no, Othello 2000. <laughs> uh, Queen of, of Elephants, Raw and Naked. In 97. Uh, Rudolph Valentino, 1997, still going. Rudolph Valentino, American Lover, Samson in the Amazon's Land, Sod- Sodoma and Gomorrah, uh, The Boxer 2, The Hyena. And Is actually, the same time? Held, or, or, uh, The Mystery of Eros and Top Girl. Yeah, I mean, he's a bit like Jess Frank. He's a bit like Jess Franco, really, isn't he? He's like made over like 200 films. Uh, the, yeah. um, Wikipedia is most famous for um, I think he did one of the Emmanuel films so Emmanuel in America yeah, yeah he and, did a few, uh, did a few. Uh, uh, there's another the one other, Emmanuel in the land of the cannibals as well that sounds amazing <laughs> yeah, um, I think his other famous one was supposedly erotic nights of the living dead yeah I've seen that oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. is it erotic <laughs> I, I was doing I was doing this um, this feature for um, Scream magazine about the Italian um, zombie genre and uh, so I had to watch like all Italian zombie films from that time and it, it, it basically included Erotic Nights of the Living Dead because it was an Italian zombie film <laughs> to all intents and purposes um, essentially, it's a bit like uh, Anthropophagus or Zombie Flesh Eaters in that um, a group of characters get on a boat and go to a desert island and then get eaten by zombies but the, from what I can remember the first half of the film is, is just porn Um I think George, I think George Eastman's actually in that as well. Yeah, he is. George Eastman's in that. Yeah. Um, it's mostly just porn, um, soft and hardcore, and just kind of various kinds, you know. So like there'll be like a lesbian scene, a threesome scene, a you know man and woman scene. Um, and I think Laura Gemser was in that as well, who um, was in a lot of the Emmanuel films. Um, it's okay actually. The like you, you can't. I just kind of just fast forwarded through all the porn bit, and then the latter half, you kind of get the the whole people being chased by zombies thing. And uh, it's actually quite good. Like that part of the film is actually quite good. It's actually quite suspenseful mm-hmm. and kind of nicely shot. There's good, good kind of evening shots of like the island and the, and the forest and everything. So, 
Yeah, um, probably like Jess Franco, just like, you know, ultimately a bit of a shit director um, who just made films from from money, but was kind of every now and then you get glimpses of what he could do. Yeah, um, I suppose like the, on, on the zombie theme, like uh, apparently this was called Zombie Seven, and <laughs> yeah, um, apparently. <laughs> what was that? Was that in relation to say zombie flesh eaters? And... Yeah, exactly. So, um, okay. like uh, zombie flesh eaters in Italy was called Zombie Two because oh, yeah. <laughs> it was uh, like a fake sequel to Dawn of the Dead, which was called Zombie in Italy. And then yeah, so then like Zombie Flesh Eaters Two is Zombie Three, Zombie Flesh, and then it goes up like that. But then um, other kind of films started just calling, you know, having alternative titles and adding themselves on to that zombie list. Yeah. And, and so, like the seventh one to do it was, um, <laughs> was obviously uh, Anthropophagus or whatever. Yeah. Do people go see it on the basis of that? Then surely they would have gone. This is just nonsense now. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You can't think. Well, the people who were going to see those films in Italy at the time probably they wouldn't have even thought about it. They wouldn't have even cared. Just like, oh, we just mm. I just want to go and see like a yeah. a film with nudity and violence in it. Obviously, worked to an extent if it kept doing it. Like there must must have been something <laughs> to it. So, what did you guys think of uh, Anthropophagus? Um, it, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like it wasn't like it's not the best film ever, but it's still entertaining. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, it, it's sort of you know, it's got that like you know, it's going to be a, a typical kind of uh, I guess like the bracket video nasty because it's got the awful panning shots of a city at the start. Uh, yeah, like you know, like the cinematography is never great. Yeah, but there's potential for the cinematography to be good, but the, it's basically they just sat a camera down and they go right, that'll do. It's all set up. Do you need to fix the lights? No, it's fine. That kind of thing. <laughs> but uh, like I mean, but there's there's parts where it does look good. Like, but uh, but over overall, like but the actual film itself. I mean, I think it's similar to what you were saying about that uh, uh, erotic nights film. The first hour is a bit slow, but then when it gets into it, it does properly get like get into it mm. and it all happens like the last half hour is when most of the stuff happens and it's i think the last half hour is pretty good yeah i think i, I remember clocking the time actually like the the beast the beast um maybe we'll call him for this and uh, the beast it doesn't appear until i think it's it was either like 50 minutes or an hour so yeah, yeah you've only really got like the last half hour where he kind of appears I guess um, on the first viewing, uh, it didn't help, and it could have been the fact that I watched it on YouTube. That like Paul, I think you pointed this out. The dubbing was uh, horrendous. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've... like like I had had any thought about mixing it. Like at the beginning, with those two Germans who aren't dubbed anyway or subtitled, are walking on the beach. You can't really hear what they're saying anyway because they're just dried out by the waves. And yeah. like yeah. surely they. they could have just mixed that. I mean, obviously they didn't record their voices on the beach. Like, yeah. Because you can hear them echoing in a room. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, whenever they were making, like, whenever they were making these films and, like, you know, films like Zombie Flesh Eaters as well, that kind of Italian exploitation films, they, they would have, like, um, actors from different countries. So, obviously, like, Tisa Farrow's American, and I think there's another kind of American-sounding name amongst the cast, but then the rest are Italian. Yeah. And apparently, like, a lot of the time, the actors would just be saying the lines in their own language. Because, you know, like, it's it's such a deconstructive process, isn't it? When you get to, like, the actual making of a film. Yeah. So, Tisa Farrow is just saying her line in English, and she knows what the Italian guy's line is, but he's saying it in Italian, and then she's replying in English. And I also heard, um, I also saw, I also saw an interview with Ian McCulloch one time, you know, the guy who's in um, the lead in Zombie Flesh Eaters. 
Falcon barely remembers this. Well, I remember watching an interview with him, and I'm pretty sure, I'd have to check this, but I'm pretty sure he said a lot of the sometimes whenever they were recording these films, they wouldn't even be saying the line. Like, they would just be going like, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. <laughs> like that. And then weird, knowing yeah. that knowing that the person in the dubbing studio would just, you know, fill it in with the actual dialogue. It's bizarre. It's really weird, isn't it? Yeah. I suppose, like, in this one, it was pretty apparent that the... The, the lines weren't matching up anyway. Yeah. But uh, I thought, like, some of the voice acting was just... The dubbing reminds me of... What do you call the guy that plays Batman? Uh, the original Batman? Adam West? Adam West. Adam West, yeah. I thought... Um, oh, fuck, I've forgotten his name now. The main character who ends up saving the day. Is it Andy? Let's see. I love when these, oh, fi- these films, when we don't even know the names of the characters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he sounds like Adam West. Like, the whole way through the film. Weird. But, like, Adam West was doing the dubbing. Yeah, it's Andy. Yeah, well, Andy yeah. sounds like Adam West, but in a bad way. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah, I mean, actually, the characters, you don't really get... It's hard to even place them, because, like, when you look them up on IMDb, none of them have fucking pictures beside them. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> except for Peter Farrell and Serena Grandy. Um, yeah, Serena Grandy plays... Did she play Maggie, the schoolgirl? No. No, Maggie is the um, pregnant woman. Oh, right, okay, right, Grant. The only other person I know is Carol, who's played by Zora Kirova. She, you know that mm-hmm. she's the girl who does the tarot reading? Oh, yeah. Because she was in um, Umberto Lenzi's Cannibal Ferrex. Uh, okay. I haven't seen that. Yeah. Is it, what's it like compared to Holocaust? Um, relatively similar it's not it's not fine footage though but it's relatively relatively similar like um a group of people i think they're maybe uh, like anthropologists as well or something and they go in to basically i think they're going in to like dispel the cannibal myth and show that the indigenous people aren't um like that and then they just uh, i think there's like a really a real wanker army guy with them who starts you know doing the usual stuff like raping the women and killing people and then like the, <laughs> the usual stuff and then you know the usual stuff for can- yeah. for cannibal films i mean <laughs> Um, and uh, then obviously they they, they promptly get you know kind of uh, graphically murdered and eaten by the cannibals Um, but yeah actually uh, D D gave his opinion Uh, Paul what what about you what what do you think of yeah probably quite quite close to what D said actually it's uh, it's it's not the best film ever made you I think we're probably both saying it because you did build it to us as the best film ever made uh, quite explicitly a couple of times uh, and which I do with a pinch of salt but it, I'll, I'll be honest it did get my hopes up a little bit but, uh, but it, it wasn't also wasn't terrible it uh, I, I did enjoy it and there were I actually I enjoyed how bits of it were very cleverly done and very well done um, and they were well done enough to sort of put a bit of a shine on the bits that were really atrocious, just like the dubbing and cinematography. The soundtrack was re- really quite cool um, in bits. Sometimes yeah. totally forgettable, but like it, when it when it did its stuff, it was really really effective. And yeah, I, I enjoyed it mostly. Um, <laughs> I've sort of like I've been sort of off for two weeks, so I'm just sort of like at night. I'm just sort of like having a beer and watching like any old shit, which is uh, is what I never give myself time to do. So um, maybe because I have been completely open to any old shit, it just <laughs> I enjoyed it a lot more. But I, I think I probably would have enjoyed it anyway on yeah. a normal drudgery day. Like 
usually we, we start the episode, I forgot though, usually we start the episode with um, the person who chose the film saying why they picked it, which I didn't actually do, but basically it's, it's, it's kind of the same scenario as um, Don't Go In The House, basically when I was really getting in, discovering the whole video nasty thing, and just constantly googling it and reading articles and finding out about the films that was what was one of the films that I kind of that really kind of stuck with me like the the name Anthropophagus I'd, ne- I'd never even heard that word before and uh, the fact that it was called Anthropophagus the Beast and the picture of George Eastman's face on the on the video on the video cover which is like absolutely horrendous and then reading about it reading about the fetus scene um, and some of the other reading about the bit where he eats his own guts and stuff and I was just thinking <laughs> that sounds like a really horrendously violent and disturbing film I'll, I'll probably never ever see that and then um, I actually found it on YouTube um, a year or two later, um, but it, it was never made available um, in the UK. It was it was in, made available in a, in a cut form. Um, it was actually I've got the history up here, so I may as well do that now. Um, yeah, while you're looking that up, Ian, that uh, the the poster is amazing. The the one where he's eating his own cuts. Yeah, it's a really really yeah. good poster. Yeah. <laughs> <It's not like laughs> I'd love to put it up in my house, but I'd be afraid what other people would think. I know, it's so good, isn't it? <laughs> um, so, um, the film was released on video uh, in, by Video Film Promotion in February of 1983 uh, in, in, in the UK. This is like on, on, on video, uh, in the Video Nasty era, before videos had to be classified by the BBC. So it was released uncut, basically. But um, it was put on the DPP list in November of that year, and... It was eventually prosecuted under the Obscene Publications Act and banned. Um, but the BBFC granted a F classification in 2002 in January. Um, but it was essentially the American cut, which was just has like a lot of the violence cut out. And it also has like just lots of random stuff cut out, I think, just to tighten the storyline and keep it moving. And it also has this um, like so there's like a different soundtrack. There's like kind of like incidental music over like loads of the dialogue and stuff like that as well. And then, yeah. as, and then, as I said, it was released like a year or two ago on Idiot Films, um, and yeah, it was, it was just one of those films that I was always really curious about because I always just thought, oh, that just looks like, like what, what is that going to be like watching that film? <laughs> and I wasn't disappointed. Like, I mean, I was, I was joking when I said it's the best film ever made, but it's, it's one of my favorite films. I absolutely love it. Um, I just think it's so trashy and just so stupidly gory and just ridiculous. Um, last year, actually. Uh, there's a really cool cinema in Bristol called The Cube that kind of shows like old, you know, it's a bit like the QFT, you know, it'll show like independent cinema and documentaries and also kind of like you know stuff from the 70s and things like that. And um, they screened it last year, um, which was the first, the first ever UK screening of Anthropophagus Uncut since, since it was banned. Um, I went along to see it, and it was really, really funny actually, because like um, everyone in the audience was just laughing and like you know <laughs> shouting stuff out because like the dialogue is just so ridiculous. Um, yeah, it's just just a film that I've only ever seen, I've only seen it about five times, I think. But it's yeah, I think I'll, it's one of those films I will keep coming back to. I absolutely fucking love it. So good. Did you get it on DVD? The when it was released, is it still that in terms of audio quality? Is it bad on the DVD? Yeah, I've got it on Blu-ray. How's that? Oh, okay. Um, I'm just showing showing the guys here on the camera. The it's it's, it's got the Ed, Ed George Eastman like the, the the same video nasty cover art yeah. on the on the box. Um, I can't actually remember because my my Blu-ray player is playing up. It it won't play Blu-rays. It'll play DVDs, but not Blu-rays. It just uh, scans for ages and says you know reading and just makes swirling noises and then stops. 
So I had to watch it on YouTube this time around. I couldn't actually watch it on Blu-ray, uh, so I can't actually remember. But um, I think I think the sound's a bit quiet, but it's nowhere near as bad as it as it is on YouTube. I mean, it's it's the the the, the audio quality on the on the YouTube uploads is pretty much indecipherable indecipherable a lot of the time, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I did turn it up a lot. Um, yeah, I did, yeah, I, I streamed I it through because my Xbox. Like but on, on the subject of that, Ian, like I, I think I know what you mean in terms of. Um, like, whenever I kind of got into horror films when I was younger, I was always trying to find stuff that was the most disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd, I'd never really heard of this before. Um, so I, I think I remember looking for things that you could find that were just, uh, that would be the most offensive thing that, you know, you, but you could possibly think of. Yeah. Was it, was it, I can't remember which one it is now. Um, I think it's the zombie film with the power plant. Is that the one where they have the, the pregnant woman gets killed? Or maybe it's one of the zombie flesh eaters. There's a pregnant. Yeah, there's, it's a, not, uh, there's a pregnant woman d- scene. Day of the Dead. There's a pregnant. Okay, it's a, not Day of the Dead. Sorry. <laughs> there's there's a, a pregnant woman scene in Zombie Flesh Eaters too. That's what I'm right. thinking of then. Yeah, yeah. doesn't a zombie like puts his hand through her stomach, like from the the bottom up? Is that right? Uh, no, but that's what it looks like. But it's actually, I think the hand is actually coming out of her her stomach. Oh, that's what I mean. Sorry, yeah. not describing oh, it very well. But yeah, but I think because I always wanted to, for some reason, see stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's actually it's actually a really horrendous scene because the um that scene is zombie flesh eaters too because yeah the the pregnant woman gets bitten and then she ends up lying down on a table and this woman comes in to check on her and the hand bursts out of the stomach and grabs his face and just like kind of mushes her face into a pulp. <laughs> it's really, really disturbing scene. It's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's good though. It is good. It's only just two is a very funny film. But yeah, no, I, I, I can see why you would want to see uh, Anthropophagus just because you probably heard about the, the fetus scene. I mean, the uh, cover alone I think was what did it. Like th- that face, I was thinking like I, I, I want to see what that what that guy does in that film, like what does he yeah, actually, yeah. what does he look like yeah. in the film? You know. To be fair, like yeah. that's one of the best things about the film. It does look really good. Even like the, some of the close, like uh, close ups of his face, you kind of see like his head, and it's all like oily and horrible. Yeah. Kind of oleaginous, kind of. Uh. <laughs> I think they glued a little breadcrumbs to his face to get that. Was it? So I read somewhere. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I I don't know if you guys have seen a picture of George Eastman. Normally, he's actually he's actually like a really good looking guy. You know, he's like a handsome, yeah, tall well, Italian guy. There are of him in in the movie. Um, oh yeah, uh, his sister um, has photos of him. And, that's right. Uh, yeah. So is, is is he in the flashback, or did they get a different actor? No, yeah, that's him in the flashback. Okay. Oh. Yeah. He's so yeah. tall. Yeah, it's, it's like hairlines even sort of different and everything. Yeah, yeah, it's like, for some yeah like like they've given him this kind of like middle aged, like receding hairline or something in the film for some reason. Yeah, it kind of adds to how disgusting he is in a way. Yeah. Um, what about the? <laughs> what about <laughs> what about the uh, fetus eating scene? That's amazing, actually. Uh, I was like, I was sort of um, I was watching a, a documentary the other day on. It's on BBC. It might still be on iPlayer. Um, it's like it's not very good, but it's a documentary about the eighties. So it's a three-parter, but the second one they discuss the sort of the video nasties very briefly. Um, but I, I think I remember like uh, 
just looking it up because of that um, and the description of why I got banned and that was one of them wasn't it and there was somebody uh, after I was reading a couple of reviews as well and somebody said that it looked quite real and before I'd seen it I was going no nah, I couldn't like that good like you know. but it, yeah. it does genuinely look a bit like a fetus yeah it does yeah it's a skin rabbit isn't it yeah, yeah. it's yeah. I think it's just it the shape and the shininess of it or something oh, yeah it's so brutal <laughs> <laughs> you know, I actually had no idea that was that was coming, and I uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I was just like, "Oh shit!" That's, uh, I was I, actually. Um, I, I think I, I actually literally turned my nose up a little bit, but <laughs> it was really effective, really good. See, I, I was expecting worse the way it was described on some reviews because uh, some one review said that he stamped on her and then reached in. Yeah, I don't I think so. No. No, it didn't happen. Uh, yeah. he, he decides to go <laughs> in the other way. <laughs> yeah, I think like I had read that he like rips rips the fetus out, so I was expecting it to him to actually rip through the stomach. Mm. Um, and it was actually yeah, the first the first time I watched it, I knew that I knew the scene was coming up. Yeah, like my heart start my heart race, my heart started racing because I was starting to think, oh god, please don't be absolutely horrendous. And it's just, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's it's not it's not too bad. Um, but I remember whenever we when we watched it in that cinema in Bristol, um, he's he's grabbing Maggie by the throat, I think, and then his hand goes down to her nether regions, and I think as soon as everyone saw the hand going down, you could hear like in the audience, oh, <laughs> like you know what the fuck's coming up, yeah. and then whenever he actually rips out the fetus and bites into it, like people in the cinema were going, oh, oh for fuck's sake, come on, yeah. <laughs> um, did. Everybody knew what they were in for in the cinema. There were no no walkouts were there. Yeah. No, everyone knew what the, what they were in for. It was like um, it was like a video nasty night basically. So at the start of the night, they had um, uh, like they were just showing you know those like um, B movie trailer reels that you get on YouTube. Those were just showing. Oh yeah. Them. And then they had, oh, they're great though. And then they had like a panel um, discussion about the video nasties. I think with like like the editor of. Some film magazine and various other people had a bit of a panel and a Q and A session, and then they introduced the the film. And well, yeah, it was yeah, it was cool, really cool. Did you ask a question? Yeah. And you're like, oh, oh, oh. Uh, no, no, didn't. Oh. <laughs> Typically, for the the kind of Italian exploitation and horror films of that kind, um, the characters are all just fucking wankers, aren't they? Oh, yeah, they're all awful. Well, they're either awful or just really boring. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, like, the the guy, uh, Alex, uh, is the hero at the end of the day. Andy. Or Alex Andy. Uh, he's he's terrible. Like, he just doesn't have yeah. any personality. Like um, the, the only one that did have any personality, and he was a wanker, was the... I've uh, forgotten his name. He's the one that tries to seduce Carol. Danny. Yeah. Is that her name? Uh, Danny. Why am I, who's Car- is anyone Carol? Carol is the tarot reader. <laughs> Carol, yeah, Carol. Uh, yeah, Tisa Tisa Farrow's character is uh, Julie. Yeah, so he's a wanker. He's such an absolute <laughs> cock, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Um. In fact, I've... um. But he he is that. I mean, I, you're right. That, that makes him the only interesting character. Um, <laughs> and like when when Julie first turns up and says, "Oh, did I hear you guys have a boat? Can I tag along with you?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, anybody that looks like you can tag along and stand right beside his wife and stuff." And <laughs> like, come on, man! Um, <laughs> I've, 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 I've actually got a clip of him being a, a dick 
trying to seduce Julie, so should we listen to it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's already stopped raining, but there's still a lot of electricity in the air. Scared? Yes. Well, you don't really show it. You know, you're really incredible. Julie, I... I don't know if you realized. You mustn't, Danny, no. Because of Carol, right? Don't worry. Between Carol and me, there's just an old friendship. Danny, I'm not interested. Honest, I'm not. Okay, you're not. But I'm going to tell you just the same. Carol might be in love with me, but she can never give me what I need in a woman. Why? What are you looking for that's so special? I, uh, I don't know how to say it, but I do know that I have found it with you. Carol! Uh, one one thing that I noticed actually is kind of in relation to Danny being a dick is like, and I don't know if this was on purpose or not, but um, there's actually if it is on purpose, it's really nicely done. It's whenever they're on they're on the boat at the start of the film when they're they're going to the island, and Julie Tisa Farrow's character is sitting on the deck, and the, the guy Danny comes up to chat her up and gives and has he has a can of coke, and he gives, <laughs> and he gives her a can of coke, and she drinks it and then hilariously just immediately leaves <laughs> and she then goes over and gives her can of coke to Andy and then um, whenever Danny is rejected he Danny then goes over and gives his can of coke to Carol yeah so I was kind of it's almost like the yeah. the uh, coke was kind of symbolizing like who they were going for you know so he gives her the coke <laughs> she, she rejects him yeah. gives his coke yeah. to Andy so then he's like oh well I may as well go for, go for Carol and gives Carol his coke don't know yeah if, if, if it's oh, on yeah. if it's on purpose, it's a nice touch. I suppose that to get in marketing somewhere. Yeah, yeah. But the same thing happened in. I went to see Finding Dory last week. Yeah, I was kind of think, how are they going to fit, you know, product placement into this? And there's a bit where like rubbish is like uh, falling through the ocean, and there's two cans of coke that fall past. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I always think like sure it does that not even sort of seem sort of detrimental to Coke's image that it's like rubbish in the ocean? Is that you know when you see stuff like that? Yeah. yeah. But obviously yeah. not. Obviously it's they it worked out that it's more more valuable that people just see cans of Coke than Well, you know, I think know, like than not the, Isn't the whole the whole thing behind advertising isn't to make it well, in film anyway, isn't to make it seem like it's really class and nice. It's just sort of brand reinforcement it's so it's to yeah, keep yeah. it in your head kind of thing yeah um, i think it's it's definitely worked on me before without me thinking about it like yeah. there's just where yeah if you've noticed like an advertisement you go oh yeah i need to get more of that <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> kind of thing so it does do its job like it's 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 annoying definitely like, yeah <laughs> Yeah, it, it happened with me in um, uh, The Life Aquatic um, because Bill Murray orders a uh, a large Campari on ice and the very next day <laughs> yeah. on the way home from work I stopped off at Sainsbury's and bought a bottle of Campari. Uh, I didn't I didn't even know <laughs> yeah. what Campari was and I poured myself a glass with ice and Campari yeah. is horrendously bitter and uh, I was like, oh, it. fuck, how the hell is he drinking that with ice? <laughs> Campari is horrendously yeah. bitter. It's ridiculous. <laughs> 
Um, so, like, <laughs> do you think the the film needed the uh, the R build up? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it did. It's it's entertaining, and it kind of, um, I mean, it, you know, like they don't fanny around too much. You know, everything keeps go keeps a nice pace, and then. You know, everything's kind of set up, you know, so they get there and then it's deserted. The boat leaves, they have to spend the night. And then they discover that girl, Rita, the English girl. Oh, yeah. Who, <laughs> for some reason, is hiding in a, in a barrel of wine. <laughs> <laughs> and blindly standing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, think there's, I think there's, like, enough terror and enough kind of gore, even in those early, even in those early parts, um, to yeah. kind of keep it suspenseful. And when and when they eventually show uh, Eastman's Beast, it's uh, I think it's I think it is pretty shocking when the way he kind of appears from behind the door, doesn't he? And like the the lightning that mm-hmm. yeah strikes it's pretty pretty scary. Like they set it up well, like oh, not set it up well, but like explain it, I guess, well enough. You know, in terms of this is why all the people have been killed, and this is like they can't contact anybody because they're quite explicit that, that telegraph machine has been broken. The bit where uh, Rita Schoolgirl does appear from the the bucket of wine, I thought was done really, really well though. Even though it was really weird, um, <laughs> the it sort of like it, ha- it has like we- weird elements of like suspense and comic relief in it. Where like they they hear the the noise of a piano or an organ or something, and they go to investigate. There, the lighting is really poor, and they've just got like candles, which works quite well because you don't see anything other than them. And then you see the piano, and then a kitten drops on top of it and runs across it, and then that's that's your that's your sort of comic relief. Um, but then, <laughs> after that, that like you know the sort of tension has been dispelled, that's when the the jump sort of happens, which is you know it, that happens quite a lot of other places as well, quite a lot of other films. But I mean that I think it was just done really well there uh, in that particularly. It sort of reminded me of um, you know the famous eyeball scene in. Uh, uh, Shane Andalou, um where it has the the eyeball and the razor come over to it, and it go the razor goes to swipe slice across the eyeball, and then it like just cuts to a picture of like a, a full moon and a, a really sharp cloud zooming across it, and that's you know that's symbolic of the eyeball being sliced, obviously, but then it switches back to the eyeball actually being sliced up with the, the razor, and you're like oh fuck because you thought it was all you know it was like quite cleverly done away with, um, but uh, yeah that's sort of kind of remind me of the same sort of mechanics. But um, and there were other other wee wee moments where things were just just played quite cleverly, you know, like just sort of deviated from the, the formula. Um, like I thought actually, when when a monster does sort of appear as well, it it's quite clever as well in that it just like he's just there in the corner of the room and he's just being missed until then, you know. And it's yeah, I uh, there were bits that I really really liked like that. The writing was done well. The suspense was good. And, I mean, he's he's no idiot, but it's it's like it's obviously not blundered through, you know. Well, so I suppose it's something I I find that uh, modern sort of horror lacks a bit. Like it, it it doesn't really have that edge of surrealism, and I always think that adds yeah. to like I think that's what old older horror films have more of an, uh, an appeal to me anyway. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm, I like possibly as well more in European. Um, Films mm. as well, like it. Um, I, I'm not sure if that's just maybe because surrealism was a bigger deal than. Well, than, I'm, uh, I'm sort of thinking even um, uh, like even things like Nightmare on Elm Street. Like it's not my favorite, like but uh, you know bits where like 
your man's tongue comes through the phone and stuff. And yeah, yeah. Like, it's kind of silly, but I think it adds to the sort of reality of it in a while. Like, you know, because, like, life's a bit surreal sometimes, and it's a bit weird. Yeah. And, uh, whereas, like, uh, a lot of stuff now that is a horror film is just hitting you in the face with uh, what they deem as something horrible. Whereas at least this yeah. had that, that cat in it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, or even the the character himself, um, the the beast was kind of like uh, larger than life. You know, he stuck out. Yeah, he's massive. Yeah. Yeah. Just like he, yeah. he almost seems like a cartoon character. You know, he's got the the big eyes and the the sort of weird teeth <laughs> and everything. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, just talking about that, it's I suppose it's probably worth kind of going over what actually, what who he actually is and what happened to him. So. Uh, I can't, can't remember his name. Isn't it like a German name? Like Vortmann? Nikos? Is it not like Vortmann or something? Uh, Klaus Vortmann? It, it is. It's, it's a weird name because um, it, it's not particularly Greek or Italian. The, hang on. The, the island itself, I mean, it, it is Greece, isn't it? Yeah. It, it's yeah. set in Greece. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know which Greek island uh, it is, though. No. Yeah, think. I'm not sure if it's, it's actually ever... Um, I don't think they mentioned. So him. yeah, Klaus Wortman. Yeah, so basically, he and his wife and his young child get stranded at sea. The kid dies. They're they're going. He's going crazy. So he wants to get a knife and eat and eat the, the kid to stay alive. His wife tries to stop him. In the end, gets stabbed by him. Dies. So he goes mental and then goes back to his island home and kills everyone. And the, the first. Much. The, the first people he kill are the German tourists at the start and after after those two he then just somehow manages to kill every single other person on the island by himself yeah yeah, yeah. that's pretty much it <laughs> well, isn't it I sort of looked into uh, this a bit because I thought if if it's Greek and it, this is sort of like a strange almost sort of like mythical sort of mythical setup of him like eating his eating children and then uh, being cursed with a sort of zombie cursed for eating his child so there, there must be some like Kronos or something yeah Kronos exactly so uh, yeah a little bit Kronos is obviously as well then we get like the idea of like time from uh, from Kronos like uh, time and sort of ties into the whole like Grim Reaper kind of uh, well who's Kronos um, imagery and mythology and stuff he's Kronos is a titan of the titans he had his own own children, or right, own children. and in Robert Graves, uh, which I looked up, uh, I've been trying to find it in this particular volume, but it's a fucking impenetrable, so I'm, I'm never <laughs> going to find it. But um, he uh, talks about how Cronus also, I think, was made to eat the contents of his stomach or his own stomach as well. Um, in one version, in some like, he had to eat his testicles, I think, as well. One of the, oh, really? Yeah. Why? Yeah, one of the other ones. Uh, it was, I think, it was his punishment for what? Yeah. By by the gods. Well, the gods, well, or eating his children. Yeah, Zeus turned against. Zeus was his son, and Zeus I think was his son. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Zeus turned against him. But yeah, I can't remember exactly why. It probably something to do with they just wanted to take control. Yeah, I think also because he had his brother. Yeah. I wonder. Um, I mean, I, 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 you kind of imagine that like Judah Mata was making this film in 1980, so let's say he was probably born in like the 1950s. So you would imagine that maybe uh, like an, an Italian person being educated in the 1960s. Probably as a kid, pro- probably would be well be, be better versed in 
in classicism than than we are. Um, so maybe it was at the forefront of his mind. Maybe uh, was classicism. I don't know. Maybe it, was it revered or was it like what how it was thought of under Mussolini under fascism? Um, Good point. Not sure. Probably, I, I imagine actually it probably would have been quite highly revered. I think fascism fascism tends towards. Sort of classical, classical probably, strength and stuff, doesn't it? Well, they would have maybe looked back at the Romans and yeah, who, who essentially just stole the Greek, uh, Greek yeah, religion exactly, yeah. But then maybe he just wanted to make a film where a guy eats his own intestines. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, Wouldn't it be lovely? I mean, I think. Wouldn't um, it be hilarious? <laughs> I think it it is a bit like Island of Death in that. Uh, yeah, it was essentially just made for the horror market, um, the the export market specifically. I I read, um, and I think that's why yeah, I just put in like horrendous, you know, what's the worst thing we can think of type, type um scenes. Uh, I mean the bit at the end where, where he gets the axe in his stomach and then his guts fall out and then he fucking starts eating his own guts. <laughs> <laughs> why does he do that? Why do you think he does that? He's helpless to yeah. In, in, in the face of of meat, he has to he has to eat. I think it's yeah. because because Although like, he, he doesn't eat everybody else. He just sort of bites everybody to death and then uh, like leaves it at that. Yeah, that would have been a good uh, tagline for the trailer. In the face of meat, he has to eat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I kind of take it as like as like a fuck you because he he he, he I think he main, maintains eye contact with Julie and uh, Andy. As he's doing it, so it's like they've killed him. Yeah. His, gut, his guts are spilling out, and he just he keeps looking at them, going, "Yeah, look what I'm doing. I'm eating my own fucking guts." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, your woman, uh, you, your woman, Julie. Yeah, um, you know the bit where uh, I think she attacks. Well, she discovers his like old room, so she throws a. a so I can't remember what object it is, but she breaks a mirror. Yeah, uh, did she know or something, or was there? I think she actually that, guesses because because she yeah re- actually that's, because it's she, not like implied or anything that she's just has another worldly kind of no well like she reads about it in the diary doesn't she she reads that he's got a secret room where he kept all the bodies I don't know I think she yeah. I think it just goes oh that I, th- I think yeah I don't know I assume so with the, on on the subject of that I thought that was one of the scenes that was actually shot quite well uh, I wasn't really sure how yeah. they did it but like whenever she breaks the mirror itself. There's one bit that like stays there, yeah, yeah, and it shows her reflection. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, and that actually, how how do they do that to make it? Uh, yeah, without fucking it up because you might like it would be a massive pain in the ass to fuck that up. Like. Oh yeah, yeah, I know. Or, or so sometimes I wonder, like, is it just um one of those lucky shots? Yeah, maybe because yeah. do you, like do you, do you guys watch the Big Big Bang Theory? No, I've so, seen it. So <laughs> so there's a bit where um. Leonard is getting back together with Penny, which means that uh, Sheldon has to redraft the uh, the uh, roommate agreement. Um, and he spent he's, he's up all night, Classic. and he's up all night <laughs> doing it, and it's really really long, like the new roommate agreement. And then as soon as he's finished it, Leonard says, "Oh no, don't worry, we're not actually getting back together again." And anyway, so it could be a waste of time. And Sheldon's so pissed off that all he does is just throw all the pages into the air. And one one of the pages like lands like on his head and sticks to his head, and obviously the actor just realised, <laughs> oh, this is class, and keeps a straight face. 
but like there's no way they could have there's no way that's on purpose you know that's that just happened to happen yeah, and, yeah. The, and the actor had the presence of yeah. mind to yeah to do it so i, I kind of wonder is, it, is, is that what happened with that one or why does he have to draw up yeah. a, a roommate agreement based on copulation because it's sheldon he's uh oh, he's yeah, yeah. well he's really like um <laughs> i've seen it i've seen enough of it to understand yeah, he's like really yeah. anal about everything. Like, if you live in his flat, you have to sign the roommate agreement, and it has like, you know, regulations as to when you can have guests over and how much written notice has to be given before you do something. You know, but, um... <laughs> it's one of those one of those series. If I'm like really ill, like if I have a flu or something, and I'm like down for a couple of days, I could like sit through like twenty episodes of it and like not really laugh, but like just feel really comforted or something. <laughs> and, uh, um, <laughs> Like, I remember I had a really bad flu recently, and I, like, watched three series of Friends in the, oh, the day, and that was, like, two years ago, and when I felt bad, like, I'm going to come and watch more Friends, and then I started watching, I was like, no, this is fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> can't, I can't do that when I'm not, when I'm not sick. But, um, yeah, back to back to Anthropophagus, um, Tisa, Tisa Farrow, obviously, was in uh, Zombie Flesh Eaters. Did, did, did you guys recognize her from Zombie Flesh Eaters? No, actually. Um... Yeah, she plays. She, I knew she was in both. I read Jeff, but uh, yeah, she plays Anne in um, Anne Bulls in uh, Zombie Flesh Eaters. She's like the the main woman who uh, joins with um, Peter West, played by Ian McCulloch. Um, and she was also in a in a film with uh, David Warbeck, who's another um, guy who was in lot, lots of filthy films. I think I think David Warbeck was in The Beyond, uh, and he was in a film called okay. like The Last Hunter, which I think was like a an Italian Vietnam exploitation film. Um, so she was in that with him, but supposedly um, Anthropophagus was her, was her last film, and you kind of get the impression that she just went, "Oh, for fuck's sake, this isn't working out." <laughs> I think I remember clicking on her like on Google or IMDb, and there was nothing after that. Yeah, so, yeah, right? stopped, uh, like nineteen eighty one or something. Uh, I read, I, I read somewhere yeah. that she's she's a nurse now. She just start became a nurse. But her, but but her her, yeah. her uh, sister's Mia Farrow. Who's Mia Farrow? Mia, Mia Farrow. The famous. What's she in? She was, she's in loads of stuff. It's... She was in Rose, Rosemary's Baby. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I know her. Yeah. I think she might. Was she? Um, she was in a Woody Allen film, wasn't she as well? I think Tisha Farrow's in Manhattan as well, actually. But I'm not sure if Mia is. No, maybe not. But actually, sorry. This this was Tisha's last. Tell me right, yeah. Anthropophagus. I thought she had one more after that. Yeah, but I wonder what happened. Maybe, yeah, there must have just been. <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> a Greek island bitches by a man with bread in his face. Yeah, I'm a, exactly. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean... I think, yeah, like you can imagine, you know, like if if, if Mia Farrow was... Um, I mean, Rosemary's Baby was late 60s, so by the time by 1980 Mia Farrow was an established actor um, so she was probably like my sister's Mia fucking Farrow and I'm doing these shitty uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> films featuring yeah. a guy with bread selling to his face as you said Paul yeah uh, I'm going to take a, a time out okay well um, Brand, yeah I made it up what have I got here what have I got clip wise um, I've got um, I think I've only actually got two clips because there's not very much dialogue but it is um Julie, Julie and Alan, basically, uh, they've arrived at the house discussing what's going on. It's like a nightmare. What could have happened? I don't know. I can't think of an explanation that doesn't sound absurd. They could have been frightened by something, run away. 
No one runs away without taking at least something in the way of personal effects, right? Unless, unless they were really panic-stricken, you know, terrorized. There could have been an epidemic, some kind of lightning-like virus. No, I've never heard of a virus like that. And besides, we would have found all the bodies, not just one. There's that woman that Danny and Carol saw. She must know what's happened. She may come around again. I think she would have done it already if she'd intended to. No, I don't think we'll be seeing her again. Even though she did try to frighten us with that little stage set in that house. Tried hell, she succeeded. Though I don't see what good it'll do her. Hi there. Good evening. What a romantic picture. Not to meddle in your affairs, would you rather eat upstairs in your room or come down to the restaurant? No service charge. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, that is a clip of somebody being, being a twat, uh, <laughs> but, uh, uh, one thing that I thought was, the one thing I mentioned before, um, was the soundtrack. The soundtrack was fucking brilliant. It sounded it like, was, it had that lovely, like, um, Euro Electro stuff that, like, not quite crack rocky, something else that you only really get in in uh, movies like this. Um, the composer was Marcello, Marcello Giombini and he seemed to do a lot of kind of interesting looking stuff and again just a lot of porn. Um, <laughs> like uh, Emmanuel 3 Beast in Space which has uh, the film, the, the poster which has a naked woman riding some sort of space centaur and um, and her, That's absolutely amazing. I think that yeah, works. her ass is uh, covered by a sticker that says "Adult Only Sci-Fi Action." So. Space Centaur. <laughs> yeah. I wonder is that uh, another is that another Judamato film? Uh, let me see. Actually, uh, no. Alfonso Brescia, uh, a story by the appropriately named Aldo Crudo. <laughs> um, and then he, yeah, all all the posters at least are just. Um, Lots of naked people. Uh, Sexy Nights of the Living Dead. Um, did was that was that you talking about that one? Ian, no. Um, uh, we were talking about uh, erotic Nights of the Living Dead. Erotic Nights of the Living Dead. So these are Unless, Sexy Nights of the Living Dead. So. Maybe that's an alternative title. Possibly that was. Oh yeah, Joe D'Amato. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, and Laura Gemser. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the same film. Yeah. So I mean, actually, quite quite a lot in 1980. Um, raunchy space things, hmm. um, and some. Uh, some other sort of more above board kind of looking things like War of the Planets. Um, I love the um, the really like warbly sound whenever the whenever they're being chased at the end. Yeah, 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 that could be that could be it actually because there are bits where like the melody seems to like sort of melt away, doesn't modulate in any kind of weird any way that like is familiar, just yeah. sort of like just trickles down itself. Like you, if if you could see it, it would be like like somebody fucking gushing blood on themselves or something. <laughs> yeah, it, it reminded like me. It. Have you guys heard of a this band called Zombie with an I? Mm-hmm. So it's Z O M B I. Don't think so. Yeah. Um, but they kind of do a lot of music like that, but they're on, I think it's like one of those uh, 
quite like extreme metal uh, labels at the uh, Eric or something maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you might like them, Ian. Actually, it's sort of uh, just like they're obviously big fans of like Chi and stuff. Cool. Just do a lot of a lot of music like that. <laughs> cool. That was actually one of the good things about uh, Stranger Things was the the soundtrack. Yeah. Like the opening the opening music in Stranger Things. Oh my god, it's just ah. That's really good. Yeah. <laughs> That's like a big sort of thing at the end of the, like music like that. There's uh, quite a few bands out there. Um, I think it's called, well, it's either Synthwave or Outrun is the name of the genre. Yeah. In case you're interested, there's quite a few bands. It seems to have become quite a big thing recently. It just... And uh, John Carpenter turn as, as well is kind of added to the whole thing. It just seems to be like um, like this generation is constantly just looking back at how great the 70s were and, and, the, and, the, and the 80s. Like... Uh, you know, like Quentin Tarantino films, you know, and Eli Roth films and stuff, the kind of, like, post-Grindhouse. Like, remember that film, Hobo with yeah. a Shotgun? Oh, yeah. It's just like, they're, they're, just, <laughs> they're just trying to go back, and, like, they even put, like, you know, fake um, blotches on the reels and stuff, even though it's digital, and they make it look like a, you know, a 35mm or something like that, but, um, yeah. yeah, it's really weird. I mean, I think that's always sort of been a bit of a thing, um, sort of retro um, fixation, but I think that's sort of speeding up a lot. I think like where it used to be like in the nineties, sort of look back to the sixties, mm. nineties, sort of look back to the seventies, up until that point, and then it just sort of become like like year by year, then month by month, and and it's getting really, really specific almost as well. Like mm. you know, really like eulogizing like really small parts of pop culture from uh, from like one year and like making a big big thing of them, like um, like Stranger Things seems to do. You know, like just takes that theme tune from <laughs> from like. Where you take like little little elements of like of, like obscure movies and like just makes a huge thing about them and like people are going fucking mad about them like it's um, yeah. and you know it's it's not without it's it's not unwarranted you know but because uh, they're they're interesting things and people like to celebrate interesting things but at the same time it's yeah there's a cynical aspect to it as well probably. Um, I was just looking up uh, altern- alternate titles for um, Anthropophagus there and uh, typically for a uh, you know exploitation film. There are a few titles. There's Man Beast, The Savage Island, um, The Grim Reaper, and um, the man, yeah, the Man Eater, which in German was Der Menschenfresser. <laughs> um, I always wonder why they why they bother giving all these why they get bother giving these films so many different names. Like like Mario Baba's Bay of Blood is like called like Carnage and Twist of the Death Nerve and just so many Twist different... of the Death Nerve. Yeah, it's a good one, isn't it? So many different yeah. titles. It's like, why not? Why not just always call it the same thing, and then you won't have to worry about people mistaking yeah. it. People mistaking it for other is films. It, is it anything to do with um, you know, like, like some words don't translate exactly how the the sound in the native language? Hmm. Uh, like, yeah. was, was there something to do? Like, do you guys know any French at all? It was because I I don't know any French, but I know that the Hangover films weren't called the Hangover. In France, uh, I might look that up quickly because I don't think there was a word for hangover. Because oh, it's it's known as something else and it doesn't have the same comment, uh, connotation or something. Uh, I always remember yeah. when I when I lived in Germany um, and uh, Home Improvement. Do you remember that film or that that show, Home Improvement? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and in yeah. German, in German, it's called like Hör mal wer da hammert, which means like listen to who's hammering over there. <laughs> <laughs> all right this is actually <laughs> I'll, 
that that the hangover film in uh, France is is called Very Bad Trip. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <a shit name. laughs> um actually um yeah the, the the other thing i wanted to kind of say was um we were saying about it takes a while to pick up but i, I think the um like the last 10 minutes are really really good and that's that's the point basically the point at which the uh um starts and he's kind of chasing them like kind of like classic slasher michael myers style you know walking really slowly but yeah. still manages to catch up with them and um they, they they escape up into the attic, and then whenever his hand comes through and, and grabs Rita and rip and pulls her up through the roof and rips all her skin and stuff, and, <laughs> and then the bit whenever uh, Julie falls down the well, and the monster's like chasing her from below. I that I find that bit to be really um oh yeah really really yeah. tasteful, especially yeah. whenever she whenever she gets out and she's still tethered to him and she can't untie mm. it and he just climbs out and he's walking yeah. towards her and she can't do anything. You're like fuck, and then um, yeah. your man, your man turns up and puts an axe through um, through his stomach, and then he eats That's, his guts. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think one of the, the mistakes they made though was that they didn't like most most movies. Well, pretty much every every sort of slasher movie here uh, works this way, where like uh, Andy, who turned up and saved the day, um, uh, he he just hadn't been seen in a while. You know, he was fine, and we all, all knew he was fine, and he'd just gone off somewhere. Um, but in another, in every other like sort of movie that I sort of thought about this, they'll like um, show Andy getting like really badly hurt, and you think he's dead, um, or show that character getting really badly hurt. So you think he's dead, but you don't expect him to show up. But in this, you sort of just knew he was going to show up at the last minute. Yeah. Like you could almost time it. You could time it to the second because it's like you know that's this is this is when he'll show up, and he does. And uh, but it, it, it I mean, the, the thing not surprising. But, the, the the thing also about timing like... works. About, like Italian exploitation from that era is that it's it's not as safe though it's not as safe as kind of box office American cinema you know where like in a major, in a mainstream American film you're you're not going to have the the you know the white male protagonist dying he he's going to survive yeah you know yeah, that, okay. a happy ending but in these films I mean you you could easily you know you you wouldn't have put it past them to just have had the monster kill everyone that book that I was talking about the other day. Um... Which I've forgotten the title of. Chainsaws, Women and Horror Films or something? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the, apparently that uh, kind of trope is brought up in that, which would be interesting to uh, read. Um, you know, in sort of European cinema, it's um, mostly... I think, is it mostly women survive? Or is that uh, yeah. American cinema? Both, really, isn't it? Oh, yeah, sorry, Americans. But I think, yeah, but, in, but it's what you're saying as well. Like, all the protagonists could be killed, which doesn't really happen so much in... American cinema, like they all, like at least there's, there's usually one survivor. Yeah, I mean, um, I I watched a film recently called uh, Unhinged, which was uh, was actually another video nasty, and it was um, an, an American kind of slasher B movie. It's not really a slasher film. It's these girls are on their way to a concert, and the car breaks down, and they get taken in by this family, and you know, um, and I suppose this is a spoiler, but like basically at the end, like all three girls get brutally murdered by the family, and that's it. And it just ends. <laughs> like, <laughs> no one survives. You're kind of going, oh, you know, she's the final girl; she'll survive, and then uh, she just gets horribly killed at the end. <laughs> there's there's a film I saw, uh, a French film. It might be a short film, or it might, uh, but I can't remember. I saw it about seven or eight years ago. It's really fucking brutal. It's like two girls are, um, two sisters are on holiday in France with their 
their parents and the older sister is like really pretty and the younger sister is quite like uh, plain and uh, like uh, whatever but uh, the older sister like uh, gets a boyfriend and uh, she rides her boyfriend on on holiday and then they are like this it's, it, the film's all about just tension between between them and um, it's it's quite cleverly done you know it's, it's, it's very very well written and it's it just like brings brings this sort of like adolescent sort of teenage sort of uh, moment of change around uh, very conveys very well, and then they're driving back uh, from the holiday. The car breaks down, and a a maniac runs out of the wood and just brutalizes them all with a hammer and kills them, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the movie. <laughs> it's, it's fucking nuts. That's really I can't weird. remember what it was called, though, but I think actually he maybe leaves the the <laughs> other the girl. The sister, the younger sister, who leaves her alive for for no reason. But yeah, I mean, because like even like with Maggie in Anthropophagus, you maybe like you could maybe you maybe might think that like might not kill the pregnant woman or something like that. But no, they actually make use of the fact that she's pregnant and incorporate yeah. that into her death. Was that ever a thing? <laughs> um, like with American cinema, in terms of like you know the way Island of Death was pretty much made to well garner money. Yeah, uh, was that ever a thing? In- American yeah, cinema. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, I, I would say so with even with the slasher genre alone. I suppose actually, yeah, yeah, like yeah. just fucking Halloween, Friday the Thirteenth, and then every everyone's making a fucking slasher film. Yeah, but, but it's even with slasher films in the states, though, it doesn't really feel like they went that far in terms of uh, controversy. <clears throat> or maybe I just haven't seen the right ones or something. No, I know what you mean. I mean, obviously, like they were controversial at the time, but that's you know because. You know the people who cared about that were you know fucking conservative Christians. Um, mm. But yeah, you're right. I mean, like the the American slasher film is nowhere near as horrendous as like the Italian giallos mm. or the Italian zombie films, which are so much more violent and gory and kind of downbeat. That's the thing I, yeah. I find about Anthropophagus as well. It's like don't go in the house. It's really downbeat. You know, yeah. even though the, there are yeah. attempts at comic relief, it's it it's very like <clears throat> it's very kind of yeah, well downbeat, I guess. I didn't really enjoy Don't Go in the House, though. Like, yeah, yeah, sure, I, yeah. But it's yeah. not like, you know, like, um, like if you're watching something like Friday the 13th, it's kind of fun. It's kind of like popcorn horror, whereas when you're watching these films, they're, they're kind of, they're almost like ill-meaning. You know what I mean? It's like they're, yeah. like they're, they're purposely being horrible and disgusting to try and, you know, gross you out and, and upset yeah. you. Yeah, I mean, like, with that, like, going back uh a little bit, but keeping that in mind. When we're talking about how yeah, like American films tend to always have one person left alive, and European films don't necessarily. Do you reckon American <laughs> films do that from like a moral sense that they like if they killed everybody, it would be too brutal, or do you reckon it's more like more like lazy storytelling because it would be more difficult to wrap a film up with everybody dead because then the audience has no connection to the narrative. Uh, and they would have to then like find a way to like connect the audience to like the post last death narrative in some way to wrap it up. I suppose to be uh, really pretentious about it, you could sort of say that the the American sort of basic ideology revolves around the self a lot of time. Uh, like yeah. so, their their whole country is sort of set up around that, um, and I think that appeals yeah. to American viewers a lot. Like their entire constitution is about the rights of the individual, really. Um, whereas yeah. I suppose. Uh, it depends what other country you go to, but like you know, whether it's a communist society or whatever, it's about mm-hmm. the collective community. So I would imagine American cinema and its narrative appeals more to the the person that survives at the end, because 
yeah, you know, okay. it's all about you. But that, that's obviously being really pretentious and reading into it way too much. Yeah, but, no, I see what you mean. Yeah, because I suppose like a, yeah, it's a simpler version. You need to root for somebody, and yeah. you invest, you tie yourself to this this character, and then if they die, then it's like you're dying. And, yeah. yeah. Maybe there's also more like, like a lot more optimistic, um, but more positive people. So they like the hero, they like the, the John Wayne, the you know the the individual yeah. who'll, who'll you know. Aye, true. Whereas like even if you watch like British films, British films are even British films in comparison to American films are usually a bit more downbeat or a bit yeah. a bit less happy, yeah. a bit bit more grim. And um, I think that kind of matches mm-hmm. like British pessimism and maybe like Italy in the eighties. Maybe it wasn't a very nice place to live. So you know, in terms of like fascism and things like that. So maybe they. Yeah. Um, well, they had pretty bad terrorism, didn't they, in the theaters? Is there? I think so. Um, I'm not great yeah. on the Italian history, but I think there there was a lot of like left wing terrorism. Oh yeah, well, because I remember, um, yeah, that one of the things that inspired uh, Dave Dado to do Cannibal Holocaust, wasn't it? Because he said there was always yeah. like loads of blood and gore and on the news, and his his kid or something. Well, I can't remember the story now. His kid uh, asked him why it was so violent, and that made him think about. How journalists exploit violence for ratings, and that's what that's what they do in Cannibal Holocaust. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but yeah, the the um, I've read this in a few a few places, but I've never actually been able to verify it. Um, but apparently, like BBC News at ten or something, when the whole video nasty thing was happening in one of their bulletins, they described Anthropophagus as a snuff film. Oh, really? Like, they they actually reported that it was a genuine snuff film, um, because of the bit where Gosh. because of the the fetus um scene. Supposedly, Heck, fucking hell! Um, oh, that's a that's a bold claim, like. Which is really, really weird, isn't it? When you think that, like, I mean, how the fuck could you possibly believe that something that was made by a studio, you know? Yeah, I know. And distributed. And distributed, <laughs> like. Um, but... I suppose they weren't. Were the video nasties kind of seen as uh, like unofficial as well, though? Yeah, because it was a, it was a legal loophole, really, because video was video was new, so the BBFC didn't have to. Uh, you, you you didn't need to get a BBFC classification to release a film on video. You could basically release whatever you wanted. Um, yeah. Because right. major studios they kind of saw video as just a kind of like a you know like a lower form, like a like a shit version, like and if anything, probably a threat, a threat to their industry, without yeah. actually thinking, oh, you know that, that we can we can um, you know sell our films in video. For some reason, they thought video was a threat. So the only films that. Um, were being released on video were like things like um you know exercise videos and children's videos and foreign language stuff and low budget horror from America and Italy um so that's why yeah that's where the video nasty thing basically started because um like mm. some of the films like um I mean Anthropophagus maybe might be the same I think it was it was it was it was actually classified for theatrical release I I have to check that I'm not sure. But like some of the video nasties had actually been give, given a certificate for a theatrical release, but just cut. But then video was the way of seeing the uncut version because it was it wasn't illegal to present the uncut version yeah. in, in like zombie zombie flesh eaters for, was was the most famous example. Like it, it was cut for a theatrical release, but then they were able to release the uncut version on video because of the loophole. So yeah, so um, I guess yeah, people just didn't really know what was happening because mm. the people who were yeah complaining about the films weren't the people who were watching them and so they yeah. i guess they yeah. just, i guess they just thought uh they must i don't know i mean like, how would you even how would you even come to that conclusion that like you <laughs> I know. know i suppose it happens yeah, with every generation though doesn't it like there's always a scare that's uh corrupt and 
the the yeah. like the yeah. Because I've seen like you can you can look them up on YouTube. There's there's ridiculous like newscasts of uh, like people talking about Nintendo games, like turning their children into like you know bullies and stuff, and like you know yeah. things like Super Mario. Like, I mean, it's be- it's yeah. because like some sort of rumor spreads that there's secret like messages in it and all this, and I don't know how that catches on, but somehow it does within. But I think it applies to fear, you know, of parents. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, like, maybe yeah. that was the same with video nasties, and it's the same with like heavy metal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was actually one of the things that they were they were they were mostly concerned about was the fact that um, even even when they introduced the video recordings act, they they, they made a distinction between um, classifying films for cinema and classifying films for video because um, video there's there's more likely likelihood that it, that that a child might might see it. Yeah, um, and that was actually like a kind of concern for them, and that's that's why James Furman always hated The Exorcist was because I think it was because it concerned a kid. Um, okay. Yeah. And, and and films like uh, Phantasm, I mean Phantasm was was placed on a on, on a section three list mm-hmm. during, during the video and, and Phantasm. I mean, fuck, how, how could you be offended by Phantasm? But 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 the uh, kid, the, the 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 star is a kid, and I think a lot of the time they thought, well, if if the main character is a kid and and a child, and, and the video is in a child's house. Then the child is probably going to want to watch it because there's a boy their age is the hero, yeah, and yeah. they want to see the boy their age, okay. and that'd be harmful to kids. But yeah, yeah, yeah. like uh, Phantasm was on a, was on a section three um, obscene yeah. publications list. Yeah, I always, uh, I always think things like this are quite interesting. Like they're they're sort of conundrums for um, like the conservative uh, capitalist in a way. So because they, they sort of believe in the ideal of the free market. But at the same time, there'll be the idea of the state being there to like censor or stop us from seeing the the extremities of the free market in a way. Yeah. Uh, it must be an interesting thought process for them. Like I know Thatcher would have obviously been somewhere in the middle. Because... Yeah, I I mean I, I I quite like the American system because as far as I understand it, the the MPAA does rate films, but you don't have to have a film rated in in order to release it. Yeah, so yeah. so like the Odeon in America, for example, they'll obviously only show MPAA rated films. So you know, parents can go, oh, you know, I know that, you know. But then, if if a video company wants to release like an uncut version of something, they just don't they just don't put it before the MPAA, and they don't have to get a certificate, and that's that's fine. It's bizarre. Technically, could you release a like an actual snuff film over there if it was recorded in a different country? Well, that's that's bound to be illegal in some yeah. in some way, shape, or form, isn't it? What if he didn't do it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's just fucking... The, the whole video nasty thing is, is just it's just hilarious whenever you read into it and just, like, they genuinely thought, that, like, you know, horror films were going to turn kids into psychos and stuff. Um, but, but, like, like, but, like, can you imagine being, like, like one of the police departments, you know, when you're reading a video store and you're, you're picking up stuff like I Spit in Your Grave, Last House on the Left, Anthropophagus... <laughs> And then you have, you have to go back and watch them. You have to go back to the the police station and watch them. That's too <laughs> bizarre. What the fuck is this? Just <laughs> <is> a shape. <laughs> but I just point out that your man George Eastman, uh, he's in a film that I wanted to see for ages. It could be shit, but it's called The Bronx Warriors. Oh yeah. Right. So it's like I, I assume that it's a rip off of um, well, The Warriors and uh, Escape from New York as well. Um, I've seen the trailer. You can see the tra- it's on YouTube, like, but it it looks terrible. 
Is it a Judah, is it a Judah Mata film or is it one of, like actually one of his films? Because I think I think he might have had some involvement in it, George uh, Eastman, but I don't think Judah Mata was involved. Uh, I know uh, George Eastman stars in it; he has a role in it, but uh, I'm not sure to what extent he oh. uh, has you know uh, writing involvement or anything. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I would definitely recommend um, watching uh, Absurd. It, it's also on okay. um, on YouTube. Uh, yeah, and if you like Anthropophagus, you should watch it. Absurd. Um, I think it's, I think it's probably a bit more, bit more um, consistent. You know, there's kind of a bit more violence earlier, early on, and it, it just, yeah. As I said before, it's, it's a bit of a Halloween ripoff. Well, um, have you guys both seen Island of Death? I know you have, Ian. Have you, Paul? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah. I just wonder um, how like contrast to that. Like if, uh, but that will probably maybe leave that for the future. Remember. Yeah, because I was actually that was one of the things I was going to say was like it it does remind me of Ireland of Death, just yeah. just because it's shot in a kind of whitewashed Greek coastal town. Um, yeah. or oh, Ireland, wait a minute! Or, actually, Island of Death Greek Island. is that with the all the children, the murderous children? At no, the end, we've, and... we've we've had this we've had this conversation before. Um, okay, it was called Island of Death in some places that film, but I think I think the other t- title is uh, Who Can Who Can Kill a Child. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I think, and I think that's why. I think that's why it's called "Who Can Kill a Child," because Island of Death was already called Island of Death, or yeah. Island of Death was called something different in some other country because because th- that film's called Island of Death. And I think there's actually like an an anomaly in the um, in the D- DPP records for the, for the for the films that are being considered um, for um, prosecution during the video nasty thing. And I think that's partly the reason is because they they got the wrong film or something. They knew that the film was called Island okay. of Death, and then they thought they got the wrong film, so it, it disappears from the list and then comes back on a month later or something like that when they realise their mistake. Okay. Um, right. But uh, yeah, so it, it 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 does really remind me of. I, I think if 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 you were doing a double a double showing a double B movie night, you could show um movie like Anthropophagus first and then and then Island of Death. I'm still thinking. I don't think that would be too hard for us to do. Yeah, because yeah, because yeah, like you could easily do that. Um, like if you're a Brabacian at the at the Beanbag Cinema, yeah, yeah it's just uh, I guess it's uh, advertising that's the hardest part, or we're well, getting the rights to the film. I don't know how hard that would be. Yeah, talk to Rose Baker because she's done it. Yeah, yeah. I know people who work in a film festival who could give us pointers. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Watch this space, folks. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if there's anything. Is there anything else to say about Anthropophagus? Um, no. The, one, one of the one of the problems that the BBFC had whenever they came to re reclassifying it was the flashback scene because George Eastman stabs the girl, the the woman in her in her breasts, and that was like the, BB, when oh, the, yeah. the BBFC ever saw anything like sexualized violence. Yeah. It was just no, not apparently they, they they couldn't even have like blood being spattered across some breasts. Like that was sexualized violence, and that that would just oh, be really? inst- yeah. instantly cut. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, there were qu- quite a few funny bits actually. That when I saw it in Bristol, everyone was pissing themselves. There's a bit um, at the start whenever they're going to meet Andy, and uh, one of the characters goes, "Oh, he's probably late. He's never been. He's never been on time for anything in his life." Oh, there he is. Hi. <laughs> 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 and, the, and the bit whenever they're, they're, they're like 
getting into the van is absolutely hilarious because they're all supposed to, supposed to be excited and chatting, so you can't really make out what they're saying. But it goes on and on for ages. Like, hey guys, oh yeah, 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 yeah. hey guys, oh yeah, you get in there, oh, oh, oh. like for fucking ages. You know that bit as well. There's like a there's like a room echo in that bit. Like you can hear that they recorded that indoors somewhere, but it's meant to be like sort of set outside. <laughs> oh yeah, especially the bit in the 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 raft or the boat. Yeah. Because it just yeah. sticks out so much. Like, you can't hear the sea yeah. for hard. <laughs> yeah, right. Actually, yeah, um, and you you were saying the same thing about the um, about the German tourists at the start. Okay. Um, and I, yeah. I was I was going to just kind of, but if you know, in, if anyone wants to know what the um, what the uh, Germans say, it's actually they're they're walking on the beach. He's the girl says that she's going to go swimming. And then whenever she gets into the sea, the guy says, "Be careful! We've only just eaten." And she says, "I've only just... I've only had one sandwich. You've eaten loads." And then whenever she's swimming, she says, "This is wonderful." And then she starts shouting, "Help me! Help me!" Whenever she sees the uh, thing, uh-huh. so if anyone was interested to know what they were talking about, that was it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the that's that scene's actually a bit like Jaws, isn't it? Whenever she goes to the yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what it reminded me of, anyway. Yeah, but why? Why isn't that the same boat that they're they're in in the flashback? Because in the flashback they're in like an inflatable dinghy, and then that boat is like a wooden boat. So is it supposed to be the same mm-hmm. boat that you know George Eastman's character and his wife and his kid are in at the yeah. start in the flashback, or is it? And it's just well, like I, I, oh, I don't know actually. Yeah, because the German, Germans are the first people to die, aren't they? Yeah, it happens like a month before everybody else. Yeah, because they, they mention it, don't they, later on? Someone says, oh, when those two German yeah. tourists were found. Mm. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. Um, it's just brilliant whenever he's listening to uh, this shit music with his headphones. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like the shittest music ever, ever made. Yeah. And then the wee dog runs off. I, I, I always wonder what happened to the, to the dog. <laughs> no. Yeah, probably at the dog. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, is there anything else anyone wants to say? No. no, that's that's about that's about it. I think we've exhausted it. It's uh... cool. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. So I suppose we've got to do our, do our fun reviews. So um, yeah. Dee, do you want to go first? Uh, I think I was. Is that a seventeen? Isn't it? Um, yeah. <laughs> I think I'll give it an eight then. An so, eight? That's that's under fifty yeah. percent. Come on. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you always you always slag off my films. You you never give my films a good enough rating. I do. I, I think I gave uh, "Don't Go in the House" a pretty. Oh yeah, maybe actually, yeah. It's, it's I've forgotten so much now. I've tried to maintain some form of consistency, I but well, I don't know. Like, yeah, maybe it's not fair, but I think I'm gonna have to stick with it. Okay. <laughs> well, so you got eight seconds. You ready? Uh, okay. Three, two, one, go. Uh, good, uh, sorry, good uh, half hour at the end, uh, but the first hour, the build-up's pretty awful uh, and slow, and the dubbing is Done. just horrendous. <laughs> yeah, the dubbing is horrendous. <laughs> Crazy P? I'm going to give it 10. Okay, you ready? No. Yep. 3, 2, 1, go. Uh, there's some moments of very good writing, uh, but it was clumsy in parts. The suspense is very good, and there were some interesting... Uh, uses of like uh, the soundtrack it was excellent but oh. the dubbing was terrible okay cool okay and Ian set marks out of 17 um, now, I'm, up, I'm up there with Jess Franco 
I'm <laughs> I am going to give it a high score um, because it's one of my favorite, it's one of my favorite films. Um, okay, uh, let's see. Marks out of seventeen. I'll give Anthropophagus thirteen. Thirteen. Thirteen out of seventeen. Okay. So ready to go. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Go. Uh, I love how downbeat it is. I love the gore. I love the makeup effects. I love the music. Uh, Tease. I've got a bit of a soft spot for Tisa Farrow because she's in Zombie Flesh. I just so I love, the, I love that she's in it. Um, takes advantage of, of its nice nice Greek setting. None. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Greek settings. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Suppose they got the Acropolis in. Yeah. That's what I always think. Yeah. Actually, like um, people like Jess Franco um, kind of had it quite lucky because they didn't really have much money, so they had to um, rely on you know natural natural scenery. But because mm. he filmed in Spain. He's always got these like, gorgeous castles and ruins, and yeah. like loads of his films are set by the sea, so just beautiful Spanish coastline, you know. I think that's what maybe actually jars with me a bit, though. It's just not like really horrific setting. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's too nice to be. Yeah. Um, so, Dave, it's your your choice next, I think. Yeah, I wasn't sure what to go for. Uh, I think I picked something that you might be surprised by. Okay. Um, uh, okay. I think I'm gonna go for the burning. The burning? Okay. Yeah, because I haven't seen it. Class. I've never seen it. And I thought uh, on being on the video nasties theme, stick to it. Cool. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna pick cool. the burning, uh, and it'd be interesting to see like uh, Harvey Weinstein's kind of first foray into film. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Excellent. It's. It's an oh. it, it's it, it's another film like a typical America. I mean, it's a kind of like a Friday the Thirteenth uh, rip off essentially. But it's another film that like you you've you've got a good hour of of America American teen being annoying American teenagers at a summer camp, and then eventually they, okay they start getting. So I, I have a feeling then I could hate it. <laughs> but but, no, but no, we'll no, see. No. It's good. It's good. <laughs> it is. Yeah, the burning's brilliant. Really, really good. I could watch it right now. Yeah, and I know. it's on YouTube I as think, well. So. I already think of uh, some some great beers. So, yeah, that's right. Probably loads of good beers <laughs> for the burning. I love the uh, the trailer at the end whenever it goes the burning. <laughs> so fucking cool. <laughs> Actually, when it, whenever I'm whenever we're in, I'm in the garden in Belfast and we're doing like cutting and I've got the shears, I I I can't help but li- <laughs> but lift lift the shears above my head and go the burning. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you damaged it to me one time, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "All oh, right, yeah, yeah." And I was like, "I don't have a fucking clue." Oh, crazy pay, crazy pay. Look at me, look at me. <laughs> uh, and Thompson's always like, "Oh God, don't do that, don't do that." <laughs> God, right. So, well, we'll see you all, all next time for the, the burning, and uh, yeah, we're once dead. Remember, remember that we love you. And, yeah. <laughs> and you're with us always. Good stuff. Yep. See everyone. In other words, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs>